Hello and welcome to episode six of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today we're going to chat about the Bible and why we read it. Now, I'm not going to go too much into the history of the Bible, how it was put together, or any of that sort of background information on the Bible. I'm really going to talk more about what the Bible does for us as believers when we read it. Now, I have learned about all this before, as in how the Bible's put together and why and why we can trust it and all those different things. If you're interested in that, I highly recommend that you look into that. I'm just not going to be covering that today. I'm also not going to be going into how to actually read scripture, as in how to study it on a practical level. That is a great thing to go into. It's a great thing to practice. It's a great thing to read about and learn about. I'm just not going to be talking about it today. We're just going to be discussing why the Bible matters in terms of our faith and how it totally upholds us, encourages us, convicts us as believers and why it's so important to read. Of course, because this episode is so focused on scripture, we're going to be reading a lot of scripture today, a lot of passages from the Bible because duh, that is what we're talking about. So (laughs) bear with me. There's going to be quite a bit of scripture references, but it's all really good stuff. And it's all going to contribute to our understanding of why we as Christians read scripture and how it totally helps our faith grow. And it helps us connect with God on such an intimate level. All right, let's dive right in. Hey, millennial. Welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate creator and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. God, thank you so much that you have left us your word through the Bible. Thank you that scripture is so available and that there's so many translations and there's so many different ways that we can read it and connect with you and grow in our relationship with you. I pray that you would speak through me today and help me to communicate effectively why reading the Bible is so important. And I also pray that you would open the ears of all the listeners, and that women would just feel more and more convicted and encouraged, so encouraged to read the Bible, so passionate about learning more about your word and being able to see what you have left for us and the gems that you have for us in the Bible. Thank you, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's begin with the why. Why do we read scripture? I'm going to use the term scripture and the Bible interchangeably, just so you know. I'm talking about God's word. I'm talking about the Bible. So why do we read scripture? Let's start with the fact that it is God's word. It is God's word that was written for us, for us to connect with him, for us to know his will, to know his personality, to facilitate that close relationship with him. Scripture is there for us to utilize 
And it's awesome that in this day and age, it's so accessible because historically it wasn't always the case. Let's go ahead and start with 2 Timothy 3. In this section, Paul is talking about the importance of scripture. And before that, before this part I'm going to quote, he was actually discussing false teachers. And he's talking about how evil people can flourish while Christians tend to be persecuted. And it's really interesting because a lot of times people think that when you become a Christian, all your problems are solved and you'll never suffer again. But a lot of times it's actually the opposite and you face a lot of obstacles And we should probably face some level of persecution if we're living the way that we're called to. However, let's get back on topic here. (laughs) Paul is talking about why it's important to read scripture in context of people misrepresenting God and the gospel of Jesus. So in verse 14 of this passage, Paul says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Ah, so rich. In this section, he's talking about the Holy Scriptures. He's talking about the Bible. A lot of times it's referring to the Old Testament because that is what people of the New Testament who are writing, like Paul, had access to. That was their only scripture for a long time before the Bible was fully put together. Again, I'm not going to get into that process, but it is really interesting if you want to look into it. However, we see here that the way to discern correct teaching, truthful teaching, what we should believe comes from scripture. And what is scripture? Verse 16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Scripture, I'm going to get more into how it corrects us later, but it really does show us the truth and identifies for us what we can believe and also helps us understand what is not true, what is not of God. So when we hear false teaching, we can go back to the Bible and say, hey, you know what? That doesn't align with what the Bible says. Or hey, that person took one verse completely out of context. And actually in context, that is not what the passage is saying. And we can check that because we have the whole Bible sitting there with the ability to read through it and see what is correct and what is not. Now, can different people read different things in the Bible differently? Of course they can. And there's lots of opportunity for discussion of that for different interpretations. But the Bible really is a way for us to filter through the the teachings that we hear and to know what is real. Now, I looked up the Strong's Concordance um, on that phrase, inspired by God. I wanted to know more about what that meant. And the part that says that all scripture is inspired by God, Strong's defines that as divinely breathed in, given by inspiration of God. So yes, the Bible was written by pretty much men, (laughs) but um, it was given by inspiration of God. And because it is divinely breathed, I love that, divinely breathed, like God breathed into people and out came the Bible. 
I'm sure it was way more complicated than that. But anyways, <laughs> because the Bible was inspired by God and because God wrote through the writers of the Bible, it gives us a way of connecting with God because it's what he's left behind for his people to read in order to get closer to him. It's interesting to note that after this passage that I quoted after verse 17, Paul continues by talking about how we are called to preach God's word and to use good teaching. So how do we do those things? It is primarily with the things we learn in the Bible, by quoting the Bible, by being able to back up what we are talking about with scripture. Why else do we use the Bible? Well, it was used by Jesus. I mean, what better way of double checking that the Bible's right than by checking that Jesus actually used the Bible and quoted scripture, and he did. Again, the New Testament wasn't written yet, so he was quoting the Old Testament when he's when he is quoting in the New Testament. So in Matthew 3, Jesus was just baptized by John the Baptist. And now in Matthew 4, he is going into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I think it's really interesting to note that how does he fight back against the devil and what the devil's saying to him? He uses scripture. It's also really interesting to note, pay attention to this, that the devil tries to use scripture as well. Okay, so hold on to that. I'm going to read the passage. This is from Matthew 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, capital S Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Verse 11, then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. What a crazy scene that is. So Jesus affirms scripture because he uses it as a defense against the devil. So he is mostly quoting here Deuteronomy. Remember, Deuteronomy is part of the Old Testament. It's one of the first couple books. So we know that Jesus took Deuteronomy to be the word of God, that he used it as a a defense, a way of backing up what he knew was correct. Now, remember how I mentioned that the devil also uses a quote from the Bible? He really does. It's Psalm 91. It's interesting that the devil knows the Bible. He, he's like read it and apparently fluent in it because he can quote it. I will here. Um, but he quotes Psalm 91 and he twists what it says and misuses it in order to try to manipulate Jesus to do something that would be testing God. And I think that it's really important to remember that we have got to check 
we've got to double check what the Bible says. So when I'm sitting here telling you all these verses and reading them to you, you should go back and read it yourself. Okay, it's important to double check what people are saying, to hold them accountable. Maybe they didn't read it correctly. Maybe they are actually using different verses to manipulate you and misrepresent the Bible and what it's saying. This is a tool of the devil, and it's also a tool of false teachers and people who want to leave you, lead you astray, and also sometimes people just honestly make mistakes. So it's important that we go back and read and see what it says for ourselves. A really good question to ask people is, where is that in the Bible? So if people are giving you advice, telling you things, saying like, oh, you know, if you're a Christian, you should believe this, or here's some advice to help you with your situation. If it doesn't sound right to you, or it's not something you've read in the Bible before, a really good question to ask is, where is that in the Bible? And if they can't point to it, it's probably not a very good sign. That doesn't mean they're completely wrong, but it's something to look into a little bit deeper. And then when you go to actually find things in the Bible, read the context. If you can read the chapter before and after, it gives you a much better understanding of what you are actually reading, of what the person meant, of the situation that was happening and the context. So much happens in the context. That's why I always try to give you like, here's what happened before. So you understand where I'm pulling these verses from. It's really important. Now, this is the part that the devil quotes. So remember, he tells what he's trying to get Jesus to do. He's trying to get him to jump off the temple, right? Because he says, oh, the angels will protect you and they'll hold you up in their hands so that your foot won't even um, hit a stone, right? So this is actually, again, quoted from the Psalms. He's not wrong. The devil is not wrong in that this is an actual quote. What he is wrong in is how he is using the quote. So let me actually read the full kind of picture here. It's not the whole psalm, but it gives you an idea of what this psalm is actually talking about. Psalm 91 verses 9 through 16. So this is the verses before and after the one he's talking about. Verse 9, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. So see, he wasn't wrong. Like it does say in there that God will be a refuge for his people, that he will protect them and rescue them. What it doesn't say is that you should go like jump off of a high tower and expect God to just like miraculously save you. (laughs) It doesn't say to like go test God in a weird way. It says that God is a place of refuge for us, that he's our shelter, that no evil will conquer us, and that the angels will protect us wherever we go. He will hold us up, or they will hold us up with their hands. We have to read the context to understand what the promise is. The promise is not that God will rescue us whenever we fall off of something. The promise is that God walks with us as our shelter and our refuge that we can call on him and he will be with us. Just remember that the devil tells a lot of half-truths 
which are fully misrepresenting the truth, which means that they're a lie. So make sure that when you're reading, you're reading the whole context here. Jesus uses the scripture as a way to defend himself and God against the devil. Um, The devil tries to use scripture to manipulate Jesus into doing something that Jesus should not do. All right, why else do we read scripture? Third point, scripture points us to Jesus. Even the Old Testament talks about Jesus all the time. And in John 5, Jesus was talking to Jewish leaders about who he is. He's talking about his identity here. Verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. So you're not saved through the scripture, you're saved through Jesus. And the scriptures point us to Jesus that we can come and receive the life that Jesus has for us because of the sacrifice that he has made. So when we read the Bible, we'll see it again and again and again, this theme that Jesus is coming, especially in the Old Testament, talks about Jesus a lot. It points to him all the time. And it also points to the beautiful qualities of God who comes in, sends his son to rescue us. Fourth point. Why else do we read scripture? It lifts us up. It encourages and edifies us. And it shows us true wisdom. Instead of just what the culture tells us, what the world tells us, it shows us what is true wisdom. Because a lot of times the things that we think sound wise in our culture are not really all that wise. And we won't get that truth unless we actually read what God has left for us. So Psalm 19 is very long. (laughs) It is crazy, crazy long. It's over a hundred verses. I do recommend that you read it because it's beautiful, but we're not going to read the whole Psalm. The Psalm itself is talking about knowing God's word and instructions and finding the beauty in God's word and instructions and following his commandments. So I want to just pull a couple of different verses to kind of give you a sampling, but it's all good. Go back and read the whole thing if you've got time. Psalm 119 verse 73. You made me. You created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. May all who fear you find in me a cause for joy, for I have put my hope in your word. I know, O Lord, that your regulations are fair. You disciplined me because I needed it. Now let your unfailing love comfort me, just as you promised me, your servant. Surround me with your tender mercies so I may live. For your instructions are my delight. Verse 89. Your eternal word, O God, stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth you created. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on any evil path, so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The word of God gives us wisdom beyond anything that the 
world can offer, beyond anything that our culture can offer, beyond anything that the greatest philosopher, thinker in the entire world can offer. God is wiser. He has all of the understanding and he gives us a lot of beautiful wisdom and knowledge in the Bible. We will never know everything. We'll never have all the wisdom in the world because we're just finite humans, but we can read God's word and actually see like, what is wisdom? What would wisdom say in this situation? What would the most wise being ever God say about this? Well, a lot of times we can find that in the Bible. It gives us life. It also encourages us and helps us to see what God's instructions for us are so that we know the way that we are meant to live, how we can please God and live in alignment with our purpose, which is the ultimate satisfaction that we're going to find. Why else do we read the Bible? It corrects and guides us. This is important because if we're not sure what to do, or maybe if we're living in a way that's actively sinful, we can read the Bible and feel that correction the Holy Spirit works in us too to help convict us so that we can walk away from that destructive way of life and get back on the right path that leads to more fulfillment and following God, repenting of the wrong and putting on the new of, of our identity in Christ. So from Luke 11, Jesus was talking about demons. Okay, so that's the context here. And a woman calls out to him and calls his mother blessed. It's kind of a sweet moment here. Jesus responds to her in verse 28. He says, Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word, right? Putting it into practice. But first we have to know what those words are. We have to know what God has said for us to do. And so we read the Bible. The Bible provides that sense of, of correction for us. Maybe we were living in a certain way, and now we read in the Bible that that was not the right way to live and we didn't realize all the destruction it had in our lives. Whoop, now we're corrected. We can repent and move on. In Hebrews 4, the writer of Hebrews, it's disputed who that is, was talking about entering into God's rest. And after talking and discussing about that in verse 12, the writer says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Sometimes we read the Bible and it really pierces us. It cuts us. It shows us our innermost thoughts and desires. And a lot of times those things are not the greatest and it exposes us and nothing is hidden from God. God sees everything, but we feel like we're hiding certain things. And then we can read in the Bible that those things are things that we need to have be brought into the light, have to be exposed so that we can work through them so that we can repent of them and be able to move on in a free way. The Bible is that sharp sword that can help us see those things in our life that need to be corrected. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's not just a bunch of dusty old words in a dusty old book. Because the Bible contains God's words for us, it helps us really connect with him on a deeper level and know what will he has for our lives and how we are to live. 
Okay, finally, let's go ahead and move on. So we know why do we read the Bible? What are the results of reading God's word? What does this produce for us in our lives? For that, let's go to Isaiah 55, which is in the Old Testament. The context here is Isaiah is talking about seeking the Lord, looking for the Lord. Verse eight, he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. So here in Isaiah, they're talking about how the word of God, it creates prosperity. Not, I know I say prosperity, you might be thinking, ah, prosperity gospel. That's not what I mean. <laughs> not in that way. I'm talking about the word of God producing life, producing fruit. Everywhere God's word goes, it produces beauty and flourishing. And it's accomplishing the will, the will of God. When we read God's word, we're able to see this happening. We're able to start seeing how we live in alignment with him. We start to align our thoughts with God's thoughts because they're so much higher than ours. So how do we get closer to understanding God's thoughts and his thought process? How do we get closer to having his wisdom and his knowledge and understanding of things? Not for our own sakes, but for the sake of knowing him and the way that he wants us to live for the sake of having a relationship with him and turning from our sinful ways and living into the purpose that he's given us. When we read his word, we're able to see more of who he is and understand more of his thoughts and how he works <laughs> and what is wise and true and right. We will live in joy and peace when we understand his word more and more. As we gain deeper and deeper understanding, we gain deeper and deeper relationship with him. We experience joy and peace to a higher degree. And we see the way that his word produces fruit and beauty and love and all of the fruit of the spirit. Some other results of reading the Bible for ourselves is that we can actually fact check people with the Bible. Again, if they can't back it up with, ver if, if they can't back up what they're saying with verses in the Bible, that's not a good sign. I want to mention too that a lot of us avoid reading the Bible because we don't really get the references. We don't get like the people that the New Testament is referring to that are from the Old Testament, or we don't get something historically that's happening, or we feel like a little lost. That's totally normal. <laughs> okay, that, that's the case with any book that you pick up and read. And the Bible has a ton of history in it. So honestly, it takes a little bit to a, a little bit of studying to start to gain that understanding. But you will not gain that understanding if you don't ever try to understand it, if you just avoid the Bible altogether. So the solution isn't to hide because you don't understand it. 
the solution is to bring up a search engine, you know, open up Google and Google the things that you don't understand. And then make sure that what you're reading actually aligns with what the Bible is saying here. (laughs) Okay, so again, that sense of discernment. Get a good commentary. That's another thing you can do because if you get a good commentary, a lot of times they'll kind of explain the historical context to you without you having to read a whole nother book of the Bible to understand it. They'll kind of give you a little summary. You're like, oh, got it. Now I can understand this passage and get what it's talking about. Another thing you can do is bring up topics with your church leaders or with people who have been believers longer than you or seem to have a mature understanding of the Bible. If you're not sure about something, ask people. Another thing you can do is pray for wisdom. When you're going to read a passage, ask God to reveal to you what you're supposed to get out of that passage, what he's trying to communicate to you. The point, though, is to think and ask questions. Don't just sit back and be like, "Ah, I don't understand it, or just take someone's word for it. Like, really think about what you're reading. Cross-reference it with other Bible verses. You can literally go to Google and type in, verses about, and then whatever topic it is, or summary of, and then type in a book of the Bible so that you have that historical context. You know what had happened in the book before the book that you're reading so that you can gain a deeper understanding. Like use the resources you have. Think, ask questions, use your brain. That is how we gain knowledge and understanding of the Bible. And I want to mention that while the New Testament is beautiful and it has Jesus in it, which is just great, And I think that we should always continue to read the New Testament. I don't want us to neglect the Old Testament, though. The Old Testament often gets overlooked. A lot of times we don't want to read it because it has so much history in it or we don't understand a lot of things. I want to highly recommend that you read the Old Testament in its entirety. You don't have to start today, but make a plan to do it in the future. We got to read the whole thing from start to finish. By doing that, it'll really deepen your faith. You'll have a lot of things to think about, a lot of questions. There are a lot of hard things to wrestle with in the Bible, and a lot of them are in the Old Testament, and we can't neglect that part of our faith if we're going to say that the Bible is the Word of God and that, and it's of the utmost importance for Christians to read. We can't only read the New Testament. We've got to read the whole thing. I have a recommendation for you. I recommend this because I've done it twice. It is a recommendation for a Bible reading plan. Now, this Bible reading plan is great because it aligns the readings by theme thematically. So it will go chronologically through the Old Testament. So don't worry about that. It will have you read whole books at a time. But what it does is it'll have you read like maybe a chapter or two from the Old Testament, and then it will pair it with a book of the New Testament or a different book in the Old Testament, or a psalm or something like that. And you can kind of see different themes throughout the Bible. So if I'm reading Genesis 1, I might also be reading a psalm that refers to something in Genesis 1, or I might be reading also a book of the New Testament that is referring to or has similar themes to Genesis 1. And so it helps you make connections as you read through the Bible And it helps you not get too bogged down in like the history parts of the Old Testament. If you're not a history person, which I am, so I know I'm a little biased that way. But anyways, what you can do is you can go to BibleStudyTools.com. They have reading plans and then you can work through it at your own pace. I've done the, the year in the Bible thematic study twice and I really like it. 
But if you're not someone who wants to read that quickly, like you like to really take your time with scripture, that's totally great. What you could do is take it slowly and see how they kind of pair the different books of the Bible and do their recommended plan, but maybe do it at your own pace. Okay, enough about that. So let's summarize. Why do we read scripture? It is God's word and it connects us with God. It was used by Jesus. It points us to Jesus. It encourages us and shows us true wisdom. It corrects and guides us. It connects us with God. And what are the results of reading God's word? We gain deeper wisdom and understanding, and we get to know God on a deeper level. It helps our faith grow in maturity. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the scriptures and all the words that you have left for us. I pray that you would convict us to read your word, to understand it, to use it as a way to discern what is the truth and what is not, that you would help us to really think about the words that you have written for us and that you would grow our wisdom and understanding that we might grow in deeper relationship uh, with you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you for joining. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show, and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast, and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.